Hello and welcome to With Relish here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Harry Colley. And I'm Aoife Allen. We're a fortnightly food podcast looking at Ireland's culinary industry and identity with a focus on the individuals that make it up. You can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please make sure to hit subscribe and write us a review or even better, tell a friend. Make sure also to check out our new Instagram page at With Relish Podcast for more info on the show. On today's show, we're taking a look at an Irish institute. It's Beauty's Cafe. It's a place that's close to both mine and Eva's and probably many Dubliners. Yeah. And not Dubliners as well. People coming up for the day on the 8th of December. I was about to say that that was the place. Beauty's does be round. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> is that Little Christmas? Before no. the internet. No, no Little Christmas is the 6th of January, isn't it? 6th of January. Eden Yeah. Right, that's all Christmas chat. That's yeah, not what no, we're about anyway. That's this looking is about backwards. Beauties. Let's look forwards. But my relationship with Beauties has mm. always been based around Christmas as well yeah. because my granddad used to take all of my dad's brothers and sisters out to Beulies on Christmas Eve and oh, that was no the thing that he did with his seven kids mm. and it was in order to let my granny go and do all of the Christmas shopping and it was just like a distraction yeah, so that yeah, she yeah. would be able to like get on with the business of like making Christmas happen and so he would just have all the kids for the day and they would all go to Beulies and then that was a tradition that carried on with all of the kids as kids and That's really we just nice. Grandkids, right? So yeah. you just took over. So we took it over, yeah. and so the family would always meet on Christmas Eve. In you did all your shopping on Christmas Eve. I like it. I don't think we did all our shopping. Like we very much had all the stuff done in advance, but yeah. you go in and then just see the family get breakfast and like a few bits, and then back yeah. home. You and know? would you just have tons of bags, like all these Brian Thomas bags and Cleary's bags and everything, Absolutely. and everybody would leave at least two each and time. And they would be piling in at different yeah. times, and you'd be kind of like, we were always kind of some of the first ones to arrive, so we'd be there for the whole morning, because yeah. you'd like to see everybody. So there'd be like, you know, the seven brothers and sisters and their kids all coming in separately, and we were upstairs in Beaulieu's and like, you Eating know. deep fried sausages. Deep fried sausages Wonderful. and hash browns and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, they're yeah. lovely memories. Yeah. Beauties was a big part of my childhood as well. Like, mom was, I think quite, I grew up in Port Marnock, which is, would have been a bit of a commutant town in the 80s and 90s. And mom would and just. still. And still, but like, it's a bit, well, it's probably actually not that much better. Yeah, same bus. I was going to say it's. A, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, used, it, was, it, was a, it was a bus and then a dart trip. So you'd like take the bus to Sutton Station and then wait. Who knows how long <laughs> for a dart coming from Hoth into town. The app. Um, exactly, yeah. Pre app days. And um she didn't like to drive. Um so she would just drag us, the three of us, in with her very regularly. And the real highlight of the trip into town, which was probably every second week or something like that, was going to Beauties. She went to school around the corner from Beauties on Clarendon Street. So she'd been going to Beauties since she was like eleven years okay, old. Yeah. You know, going in for like a cherry bun. Yeah. When she was twelve or thirteen, which is just really nice. So good. Like my granddad used to go in to get his coffee in Beauties in the forties and fifties and sixties. It's complete it's, institute. Yeah. It just goes back and back and back. I remember one of my cousins doing her first ever theatrical performance in the in the, the small, uh, small theatre upstairs, upstairs in Beauties. I remember one of the first shocks of my childhood being around Beauties where one of our neighbours, I must have been five or something, and you know these things stay with you like when something scary happens. Totally. One of our neighbours fell with a cup of coffee and it went all over her. And I just always remember this. It happened in Beauties. In like, Beauties. Of all, she yeah. tripped on a step in Beauties. Very you know? dangerous So yeah, Beauties is a big part of my childhood. And it's such an unusual beautiful place we lost it for like three years there pretty much and I'm really really glad was it only three years it was a thousand days pretty much they were okay. closed yeah <laughs> so poetic. I counted yeah. them all I didn't I read that in an interview with one you of the guys got, around it you just um, got a, like a chalk lines on yeah, your bedroom wall all the way across like, the wall yeah, yeah. Thousand days without Beulies. But what is it about Beulies that is so special? Well, so I went back in there recently, and that's what kind of made me think about doing this episode. Mm. Uh, and it was about experiencing that's that what is special about it again. So I went in with two pals from work. Um, sorry, you weren't invited. Who were they? <laughs> it was Alva and Katie, and we went. We had a lovely time. We got 
like pots of tea and I got the most amazing like hazelnut profiterole type thing uh, there was scones with like warm scones with jam and cream mm. and then like a coffee slice and we all so had, coffee slice are divine it was all divine and yeah. all made in house and it was kind of like you know it's got this great grandeur of kind of you know, old Dublin it's as well. Shabby grandeur, though. Shab- well, it's like he- I know not right now, but the yeah. way like they've, the walls in the back room in the yeah. main kind of dining area, they they still look shabby in yeah. a, in the nicest possible way. In no like offense, people, no, but in the best possible and way. Gorgeous, and then yeah. you've got the Harry Clark windows, and it's just like super impressive. But you can see now the whole way through, which you couldn't in the past. Mm-hmm. So they've actually brought out the really beautiful features that were things that you'd almost just notice by the way. Yes. Previously, now they've highlighted, they've, I presume whichever architect they worked with showed them how to pick out the nicest features yeah. in the building. Those walls, like the kind of, the, the oriental designs on the walls and everything, it kind of really has this kind of preserved. like, like, I don't know, like a French bistro-y, like yeah. Parisian type thing going on. And yeah. like the waiters looked fantastic. Everybody's uniforms were brilliant. And yeah. everybody was super friendly and really, really nice. And it got torn apart by Catherine Cleary in its most recent Did it? uh, review, which is like, Outrage. Well, it's not outrageous, but I just what was greatly the disagreed. The beef was the quality of food. I think was what they were talking about, which was I, I like. I don't know. I'm it. I disagree. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I I felt that that was. That's all it is. It's that I disagree. I'm not going to like go further into that. But it was just that my experience of Beulah's was not that which uh, the Irish Times shared at all. Yeah. Uh, and I just was back there recently and was felt immediately at home and yeah. immediately nostalgic and then felt all that romance all over again. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking earlier? Um, the beauty of Beulah's when I was growing up is that you could go there on your own in a way that there was nowhere else. Remember we talked about casual dining and yes. eating on your own and that pleasure or whatever. The one and it was something that I was very difficult to. I went to Beulah's. Exactly, you know, and I used to go in as well when I was 17 or 18, like instead of going to college, I'd go in and just sit there and read some of my college notes and smoke cigarettes and drink milky coffee and think I was so sophisticated, you know, it was fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Communication theory, one, but it was just so, it was just so lovely and grown up and it was anonymous, but it was really familiar Mm. and it was just this like kind of dingy cafe, kind of beautiful continental buzz. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm yeah. desperate to get back there and, and, and find out what it's like running that show because like, we have to acknowledge the fact that Beauty's almost did not survive Absolutely, you know yeah. I was kind of reading back over some kind of the, the company's history this morning and you know they had this horrific high court battle to try and um, negotiate the rent downwards in 2014 they were paying 1.4 million dollars euros but dollars sounds better yeah. in um, 2014 when you know the arse was out of the market yeah. and um, people weren't really spending or just only starting to spend again so yeah they've had a they've had a tough a hell of a time getting back getting and, back on it you know I read somewhere that in the early 2010s Zara offered 2 million a year in rent for the same premises so they wow. could it could very easily be a Zara today yeah, you know yeah. but it's not it's beauties it's back great. so we go and have a gander let's and have it. a chat with them great let's do it just want to take a moment in this episode I suppose to thank our sponsor Just Eat yeah thanks guys thanks so much so keep we're doing what you're doing keep doing what you're doing <laughs> and we'll keep doing what we're doing so we'll yeah. that, here's a little ad by them thanks Just Eat magic is real it's contained within an app Put your feet up and watch Peking Duck appear with just a tap. Magic is pizza tacos. Savoy fish and chips. Shish kebab. Vindaloo. And spicy crispy chicken strips. Download the Just Eat app and order food for delivery. So here we are in Beauties on Grafton Street and we are with Cole Campbell, who's the managing director of this cafe. 
he's going to give us a little bit of a tour around the cafe now, which Harry and I are both kind of in awe of, haven't spent a lot of time here as kids. We can see that all the really magnificent features that I remembered really well from before the cafe closed for a couple of years, they're still here, but the place seems a bit brighter and airier. So I think Gull's going to be able to give us a bit of insight into how you manage that to retain the beautiful features. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the room, Cole, and what you decided to do with it when you were doing the refurb? So I suppose the philosophy that we we went in is we felt that customers didn't find the cafe intuitive. Okay. And we got uh, an architect and and he he came up with a two-word philosophy because he figured us for simple folk. (laughs) And he he said that this this was going to be all about order and well-being. Lovely. Yeah. I'm into both those things. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but they, like, and, and, and that's how simple it is. Yeah. When, when we started discussing with him, you know, what we wanted to change, he, I think he got a little bit exasperated with us because we didn't want to change anything, actually. Okay. We still wanted mahogany. We still wanted the, ma- the bent wood chairs. We still wanted marble tables. And there wasn't a lot of latitude for, you know, for, for the kind of interventions that he, that he might uh, otherwise have, have come up with. And what he, what he did, in effect, was take things away. Okay. And so if we if we walk over here for a minute. So we're in the entrance hall essentially now, the area where you'd be greeted yeah. and seated. So this is the front cafe here. Yeah. So so when we when we when we stand here, um, we're looking back from the east where Grafton Street is yeah. toward the west. So okay? with our back to the main door, yeah. yeah. And what used to be here was, a, a, for all the world, a portal because there mm. was a, a, a floor level going across at, a, at just above head height, uh, not very high at all, just above head height and, and then down. And the, and the width of the thing was probably about you know, four or five feet. Okay. What you can see now is it, it's, it's a double height and it goes all the way up to a girder that goes across that was put in, in, in the, probably just after the First World War. Um, and you can see right through the building to the fire yeah and that 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 was the architectural axis of the whole building is that view right through to the fireplace and you can tell i mean it's just like open and welcoming and it's like kind of very grand and old worldly that you see this like great big room when you can see the harry clark stained windows from here and then the fire is that it's just so inviting so you're kind of looking down this thing and i think we were saying earlier on this is kind of like an old world kind of like ritzy type of feel to the place now yeah and it's gas because like Going back to the conversations with the architect in the early days, like the things that we wanted to do, and like the, when we started talking about modernisation, uh, which was probably one of the the things that were driving us, the modernisation we wanted to do was, you know, around ventilation and ducts and electrical and controls and you know wiring and proper sound system and lighting and these kind of things. But we ended up like so when we when we at the time we closed, we had three functioning uh, fireplaces in the place, and now we have ten. Oh, wow. So in, in so many respects, although we did put in state-of-the-art heating and ventilation, we, we also went a bit 19th century Absolutely. On, the, on, on the fireplaces. For those listeners who haven't been here before, like we're looking down this beautifully kind of lit hall. The fireplace at the end, I can actually just about smell. I can smell the fire in the nicest possible way. To my left, there's kind of like big stacks of sticky buns and another fireplace behind 
beautifully um, executed kind of pastries, lovely, lovely kind of banquettes, you know. And then the wallpaper. Can you tell us a bit about that? The kind of green wallpaper picked out in gold, which is just yeah. beautiful, mesmerising stuff. That is, as much as any cafe is about serendipity, that wallpaper is, is serendipity manifested because well, we got delayed with the, um, the planning permission. Okay. Um, we had, because it's a conservation building, we had, we had a high standard to apply. We had a builder already on site and he was doing things that he wouldn't perhaps otherwise have done. And he took down some plaster work, plaster wall, and behind that, battened out, behind the battens then, was this uh, this wallpaper that you see there. Really? Now. Now that's, that's been hiding? It's been hiding. Now, that's not actually the wallpaper. Yeah. That, like It was very stained and damaged sure. what was behind it. Uh, but the w- it was you know very clearly that, that um, late Victorian uh, fascination with, with Japan and yeah. Japan wasery. And they called it the aesthetic movement. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it, the idea was behind that was art for art's sake. Beauty yeah, for the William Morris sake. philosophy, right? You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I thought of actually when I saw the wallpaper. That's exactly what came to mind. Inform me now about William Morris because I'm left out. Well, as Cole said, it was, I suppose, a movement. It was kind of like a crafting movement, it was, wasn't it? Well, in the late ca- Victorian it came period. after the, cra- the arts okay. and crafts movement and it was a reaction against industrialisation. Yeah. Because you could... You could you know, utilitarianism. Huge yeah. volumes of, of very functional items, but yeah. it wasn't very beautiful. Um, and, that, and particularly in the United Kingdom, as it was at that time, they were very frustrated with it. And you had the, the Neo-Raphaelites of the sort of your early Victorian period that went into yeah. the arts and crafts. And, and then they discovered sort of Japan and, and it's, it's sort of attention to detail and that's just that's appreciation of, yeah. yeah. And it was just, because it's beautiful, it's, it's worthwhile. Yeah, and it's good for you, you yeah. know. Yeah. And yeah. actually, I said to Harry, you said that your architect spoke to the idea of well-being. Yes. Here, and I said to Harry before, just before we met you that this place makes me feel really well, really yeah. calm, yeah. you know. And I think it is that. It's like beautiful surroundings. And a really nice, uh, like the the acoustics are good. It, yeah. It's not clattering. It's not. There's no kind of high pitched sounds. Um, the staff are all really welcoming and relaxed and nice. Seem to be having a nice time working. So it is a very calming experience coming here. Even more so, I have to say, than I remember it being before you did the big refurb. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I know. I was just going to agree with you there that it's just a super, really, really nice space to be in, and as well, just kind of. Not dominated, but just I'm, I suppose I'm always drawn to the Harry Clark windows, and uh, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about them because they're so iconic and so a part of Fumbly's. Gra- uh, Fumbly's? <laughs> they're so iconic. <laughs> That's where I work. <laughs> it's so iconic of Fumbly to have these Harry Clark <laughs> images. <laughs> of Beaulies, my apologies. Actually, it would be worth walking down there. There's two Stained sets of windows. Harry Clark windows. It's here very on difficult the ground to say floor. that correctly. <laughs> hardly fumbling <laughs> hardly hardly fumbling <laughs> so when um when they when the Beaulies commissioned harry clark to do the um the windows he would have been you know like a, a probably at the height of his craft and they asked him to do a four-piece set which is on an architectural theme so you have uh, roman Ionic, Greek, and composite columns. So each of these columns are, are classic, uh, classic architectural uh, designs, and they loved them. They really, really loved them, and they asked them to do another two uh, after that. 
and these are I, I forget the, the term in music but it's um, when you let the trumpeter do his own thing so th- this was him being able to freestyle okay. on his own. Yeah. And so you see, there isn't actually a sort of a theme or anything. But as you, as you get up closer, and we'll, we'll walk down closer to them. So as, uh, as you can see, like he just did mad stuff. It's like he, he tore pages out of his jotter. Um, like, and he's got, he's got a, an amoeba. He's got a, a jellyfish beside a butterfly, before, beside a star. And a, these are just star. very small detail, like perfectly detailed, just small and like tiny panes that really you wouldn't see until you're going right up close to them and see that they are just like a beautiful assortment of colours and shapes as opposed to any one story being told, I think feels. This would have been like 20 or 30 years after the, the whole aesthetic movement was at its peak, you know, around the time of, of, of Oscar Wilde. But he was clearly into it. And this, this to, my, to my mind, manifests the, 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 the idea. They are really, really beautiful as well. And for anybody who wants to learn a little bit more about Harry Clark, the reopening of the National Gallery, which has happened, has got a beautiful installation of his stuff at the moment. Yeah. Really beautiful. So yeah, and do, very well lit. So yeah, so do come to Bewley's and get a coffee, and then do go to the gallery afterwards. So we're on the top floor now of Bewley's having lovely filter coffee and a kind of astonishing array of beautiful pastries with coal. We're feeling very spoiled and looked after. Have a look on the Instagram. They are absolutely amazing. Um, so, Cole, we've had a bit of a chat about the beautiful architecture of the place and the aesthetic of the cafe and the way it makes people feel to be in the space. And I suppose it makes me all the more grateful, having had that little walk around with you, for the fact that Bewley's is actually back and open um, because I know it's been a bit of a survival story over the last few years can you tell us a bit about that and how it feels to be back open and you know thriving and back up and running sure I, I guess like when it when you talk about survival like the story of Bewley's is really a, a story of, of, of adapting and you know changing in, in the face of adversity um, and like you can you can go all the way back to the the, the origins where they were tea importers, and they, they imported, the, they were the first people to import tea directly from Canton, and um, they broke the uh, monopoly of the East India Tea Company. Um, and they So is that where the Bewley's Oriental Cafe correct. name comes from? That's the origin? That's okay. absolutely Straight correct. Straight from Canton, okay, cool. And they, uh, they had, um, you know, they, they were wholesalers of tea. They, they, they brought in on that, on that ship, they, they brought in uh, four months' uh, supply of, of, of tea for the whole of Ireland. Okay. So they, um, now we, we, we surmise from the sort of the, the book kicking entries that they, um, they sold a lot of it into the mainland UK at that time. Uh, so they were, they were wholesalers. And then as the retail uh, trade, and pre-packed tea emerged uh, they they kind of found that their business was being eroded they bought a shop and uh, in the shop then they they started roasting coffee okay um, and to stimulate the, the sales of the of the coffee they uh, started doing scones 
Okay. And uh, and that's that marketing idea of, of we'll give people scones if they'll taste the coffee, um, which is from Susanna Bewley. Um, yeah. And uh, that, was the, that was the origin of the cafes. So when was that? That's that would have been 1894. Wow, like okay. So yeah. a star was born in that 1894, born, yeah. <laughs> right? And the thing really took off very well for them, you know, like, and they, they, they used to bring the stuff in on the bike from, from home. Uh, but they quickly figured that they had they were onto something, and they they opened their own bakery. And is that this premises or somewhere else? This that was originally would have been in Westmoreland Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, and the, then the same site in the yeah. Bewley site in Westmoreland Street That's is where correct. it started. Yeah, yeah. I see. But okay. it's so Georgia Street, Westmoreland Street, then here, mm. um, and then they, they built the bakery here. It would have been uh, the twenties, so that would have been like a good thirty years later. Yeah, okay. But all the all the way through it, like you can imagine the um, the, w- the way that they uh, they had to adapt, right? So you know, the, the first world war, and that that was a that was challenging because um, they had uh, they had they couldn't find people who could make patisserie. Uh, the, the the way that they wanted to, uh, so they brought in um, German uh, and Austrian uh, patissier, yeah. And then the, the First World War came along, and the, and the British government interned everyone, yeah. Um, which was bad enough. And and the following day, then uh, the Beauties went to the to you know they said, okay, well, just everyone roll up their sleeves, and we'll get on with this. And they opened up the recipe books, and Should they were all in German. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> so they opened up the German dictionary. They, o- they opened the up the books. German. They, they were they were they were um, they were cycling back and forth to the Kura the, to speak to people through the wire fences. Are you serious? Oh yeah. Is this? This is true. That's incredible. Okay. So after the First World War, or as they were coming out of the First World War, the War of Independence had yeah. started, and then the treaty. And after the treaty was signed, the, a lot of, of uh, Anglo families would have been leaving Ireland, mm. would have been selling their holdings in Ireland and going abroad. And, uh, and what the Bewleys did was, was they, they bought um, the lease for Bewleys in Grafton Street. They bought that off another Protestant family. And uh, they said that they wanted to make an investment in Ireland. They believed, even though they had stood as unionist councillors before the war and before the, the War of Independence and before the Civil War, they had uh, stood as unionist councillors. They said, we, we believe in this new Ireland. Oh, and, wow. And okay. that is why... Very progressive. Yeah, but yeah. it was. And, and yeah. like you, you've, you have this, this unique situation. and you, can, you have to remember Douglas Hyde would have been the, the president at the time, um, and where they felt that they could combine their Britishness yeah. with being Irish and they didn't see a conflict yeah. in that you know um, so um, Bonham Carter had just discovered Tutankhamun's tomb that, and that was very British okay so they, they, they on the front of Bewley's in Grafton Street on the very top is the combined crowns of Upper and Lower Egypt and all yeah. around the side is papyrus and yeah. lotus flowers yeah and they, they, they were saying we're British we belong here and we're committed to this new Ireland, and that so they were adapting again. Yeah, for sure. They, you know, they went through the war not being able to get tea, uh, let alone coffee. I think at one point they were they were down to a couple of sacks of Angolan coffee, which, by all accounts, wasn't not the very most good. delicious, not no, the smoothest. No, apparently, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they kept the whole thing going, you know. Like, and and it it is a a mantle we wear. Like, in the the Campbells have taken on this stewardship but we're, we're not not the first people to you know go to the ends of the earth to try to and keep, keep the thing alive yeah, yeah absolutely. we had boom times that my parents saw the um, Bewleys and realised it was in trouble and they felt that they could help because they were caterers 
uh, the two of them had trained in Cahalbrua Street. Mm. They, you know, my father had been a chef. and So they looked at the cafes and they said, this is fantastic. Look, it's a catering business. We're good caterers. We can get into this. Um, and and the, the, their own business was cash generative. It was a, a happy circumstance. Yeah. So they got they got involved in it just as the as I suppose the cafe business was changing, yeah. you know, and they got involved it on the basis that they could turn around a, ca- a cafe business, and it allowed Paddy Bewley to start doing the coffee, where he'd been immersed in trying to solve the intractable problems of the cafes. He he got involved in the in the coffee and and that took off like a weed. It was yeah. fantastic. It was just the time when people were, were really getting into coffee in Ireland and, and beauties could sell to all these cafes and hotels that, that were, were setting up shop and it was perfect. Roll on 10 years and it started to become evident that the, the future of the business was in coffee and tea as it had originally started yeah. and that the cafes weren't necessarily so such a, such a, a great business. You know, all the economic arguments for getting into the coffee business they were salted with an emotional attachment to the cafe and that's why we still have Bewley's in Grafton Street and, and you know in the in the late 90s and, and the early 90s when the when the rents started to really be squeezed yeah. um, you know like and doubled from 800 almost doubled from 800,000 up to one and a half million which is what it is now yeah um, and and it did that on the eve of the crash so it's like one of the last reviews, yeah. rent reviews to go through, and bang, we were stuck with one and a half million, and we're still, we and still have. And I presume customers that. dropped off. Nobody was spending. Absolutely, yeah. you know, okay. like it was, it was the worst Horrific possible timing. storm, yeah. um, and tried to change it over a number of, of of things, and got more into sort of you know restauranty kind of fare, um, and to a degree lost our way. Okay. Um, you know, got into sort of pastas and pizzas and yeah. stuff like that you know which is good food and and food that people want to eat but it wasn't necessarily very strongly associated with Bewley's or sort of who we are um and i'm glad we like through all those years we kept the bakery going um because when we finally closed in in 2015 we were able to sort of preserve that that heritage there and it gave us a very clear idea of what we wanted the cafe to be when it reopened now we closed on the idea that we would be closed for six months. Yeah. So while we had a clear idea of where we wanted to be and you know where we wanted to go with it, we, we didn't very have a very clear idea of how we were going to get there. Yeah. Uh, so how long were you closed in the end? Was it three years? It was. It was just shy of three years. Okay. A, a, a thousand days. A thousand days. Yeah. So. Oh God. Okay. It was. Uh, it was far too long. That I must mean, have felt like a lifetime. Oh, it did. You know, and it, like if we had known going in that that was going to be the case, we probably it would have been an easier road. It was the constant turns and disappointments uh, along that road. But now sitting here in it three years later with its full refurb and. Um, like a refinement of what the Bewley's brand is and uh, going back to its origins. It feels fantastic to be back here. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not confused. It's great. It's great that it's back and it's great that it's back in such a form. Yeah, it was very kind of you to say that. It's true. It was just, I mean, we were talking earlier on about the kind of the comforting space that it is, it being a place where you feel good. And I came here with two work colleagues a little while ago, and that was what kind of made me think about, Jesus, coming back here and talking to the people <laughs> responsible for it, because it's so goddamn good. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that uh, I read last night somewhere that Zara offered two million in rent for the place at some point. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, imagine this, this could be a Zara instead of the institution that it is. I mean, people come here 
people come here on their own. People are totally and have been doing for decades, right? Mm. You know, at a time when maybe it wasn't that normal to go and sit in your own in a cafe all day. Um, it's a really kind of calm space where you can be anonymous, but it's also friendly and welcoming. Lots of people have come and done great literary work here, poetic work, lots of mm. artistic work. Can you tell us a little bit about the, I suppose, regulars that you've had over the years, kind of, you know, well-known and maybe otherwise more kind of locally well-known and then, you know, any kind of uh, big literary or artistic names who've passed through here over the years and, and done interesting work from the tables downstairs or up here? <laughs> So I, I suppose the funniest story is is about Brenda Bain, yeah. uh, who would have been a, a, a regular here. And there's a, a hand dryer uh, downstairs today in just beside the, the bakery. And um, he used to come in here after a night out and, and he would have a sort of a cat wash and a oh coffee. Wow. Okay. And, 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 <laughs> this was and, his bathroom. This <laughs> I'll have to show you the thing, but he, like he would stand over to dry himself. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I guess that was kind of accommodated and, and uh, uh, I'd say tolerated. Just about, yeah, just about. this is kind of yeah, yeah, in every possible way. Yeah. <laughs> but you have the likes of um, you know Flan O'Brien or Patrick Cavanagh. Patrick Cavanagh was definitely in that tolerated kind of uh, yeah. group. You know, he was a, a bit of a curmudgeon. Yeah, um, and would take one of the the banquets, and and if anyone sort of. Like he'd be sitting on two banquettes yeah. and if anyone dared to join him you know, there was room for about six people in them but if anyone cha- cared to join him he would growl at them <laughs> <laughs> and on one occasion is reputed to have spat at a customer Jamie. who wanted to sit beside him these were very tolerant <laughs> indeed <laughs> how about Flann O'Brien did he come in and kind of put the head down and, and yeah, scribble he was, notes he was, or a, was he, he, he was a scribbler alright yeah. and Neil Jordan would oh, have right. would have also been uh, he apparently wrote a film called The Crying Game while really? sitting here in Grafton Street yeah. but you go like I mean I suppose it's not just literary people it would yeah. be you know musicians and, and the like and you know, very famously, tell me why I don't like Monday is uh, it was was written here by the. That's, uh, a, that's an extraordinary yeah. sort of creative yeah. space, isn't it? That kind of churned out some of the most serious pieces of art and yeah. and music that we can do. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a mediocre hit. That's hard hitting. And <laughs> um, what about Cole? What about staff then? Like, uh, I presume I, I know actually that you had quite a few people who worked here pretty much for their whole lives. Can yeah. you tell us about a few of those characters? And well, I suppose the most famous person would have been Tatton's Toomey. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, like to sort of put it in context, the, the Irish Times wrote an obituary uh, on her when she well. passed away. And she would have said that the first time she was on the south side, she came from Glass Nevin, and the first time she was on the south side was when she came over uh, for an interview in Bewley's. At what age? She was a teenager? 15, 16, yeah, like okay. that. And in 1977, then, there was a fire in the offices, and her records, well, along with everyone else's, were lost. Okay. But no one ever sort of found out, actually, when was she born. Yeah. Um, so we had about four, my recollection is four, uh, retirement parties for her. <laughs> And uh, she'd come along to the retirement yeah. parties. She'd accept the gift and she'd turn up for work the next day. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, okay. That but she had, a, she had a very dry wit, you know, like, yeah. and she had no airs or graces about her, but she had a nice manner. You yeah. Know, like, and, um, and she was with you for what, like 40, uh, 50, 60 years? I'm going to say 60 plus. 60 plus. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's extraordinary. And, uh, yeah. I'm just trying to think that there was, if she didn't like you, she didn't like you. Yeah. So um, and there honesty. was a woman, yeah, there was a woman <laughs> called Mrs. Privet. Okay. And, um, and, and she would come in and um, greet her and say, Mrs. Hedge? 
<laughs> brat. <laughs> oh, yes. That's a good Privis, cheeky one. Right. I like that a lot. Nice. And even today, I suppose, our reception, our Ursula McGurk, she's been with us since she was 16. And I, I probably, I shouldn't say how long that is. Yeah, a good, a good while. A good while. A good while, yes, okay. A very good She'll probably while. be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she worked in the bakery and on any number of jobs, but she's, uh, she's still with us as well. Amazing. Um, and in the, the takeaway downstairs, then there's um, a, a woman called Tina Byrne, and she would have worked... 20 or 30 years ago back in in Mary Street okay. um and and she's she's still with us Amazing. so yeah um i suppose finally call just quick word on what's coming up like is the theater reopening or have you reopened the theater we've reopened the You've theater reopened, today sorry, today yeah. oh, okay so there today you go. was the, it first. was the was <laughs> the um the first performance wonderful uh, um so you're back in kind of full swing everything's yep the whole building uh, open now, and uh, this floor here, the first floor, people really love the the space, mm. um, and you've got lots of plants. And we're we're thinking of doing a um, brunch, okay, uh, lovely. And so the f- doors at the front open, yeah. Um, and we we're we're gonna get some jazz going. Oh, wonderful! Uh, so I'm gonna be spending a lot of time here <laughs> over the next few years. I think, yeah, this is one of my <laughs> safe spaces. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Cole, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat to us today. I think this is a bit of a love letter to Beauties, isn't it, Harry? <laughs> but I'm okay with that because, you know, I've known it since I was a really small child and I'm just delighted mm. to see it open again and to see the place thriving and looking so great. But it's and interesting. so good. Yeah, yeah well, I, like, I think it's really interesting when people come in, um, they will often say something, you know, nice about how, how well it looks or how similar it looks or the yeah. way it's the same architecturally but they all have a story about their own lives their own families yeah. um, and the, their association is is through Bewley's rather than about Bewley's yeah absolutely I think I mentioned to you just before uh, we started recording that my boyfriend and I were talking about Bewley's last night and he said no private company has the right to survive but Bewley's is kind of the closest one that yeah, it, cl- it comes kind. the closest to that you know yeah, because yeah. it's just such an institution it's wonderful thanks so much Cole you're very thanks welcome your God bless Thank you for listening into this episode of With Relish. We would like to thank all our guests for taking time out to come on with us. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are a fortnightly podcast, so make sure to check out headstuff.org for our next show. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn and all the usuals. If you like what you've heard, please let us know by writing us a review or following our Twitter page at With Relish Pod. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.